My name is Lily Madden, and I'm a proud Aranda, Bunjalung, Kalkadun woman from Gadigal country. The Daily Oz acknowledges that this podcast is recorded on the lands of the Gadigal people and pays respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander nations. We pay our respects to the first peoples of these countries, both past and present. Good morning and welcome to The Daily Oz. It's Thursday the 13th of July. I'm Zara Seidler. I'm Nina Kopel. A volcano has erupted in New Zealand, leaving some unaccounted for, according to the Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern. A trial's begun in a New Zealand court over the Fakari White Island volcano eruption. It erupted in December 2019. Medical staff across the country are continuing to work around the clock to save the lives of those injured on Fakari White Island. It was a tragic incident that saw 22 people, including many Australians, lose their lives. An explosion of gas, steam, mud and rocks spewed from the crater of Fakari, the island just off Fagatani. And now the three brothers who privately own the island are facing court over the disaster. The trial has begun of three companies and three individuals blamed for the death and injury of tourists in the White Island volcanic eruption. Eleven defendants will face Auckland District Court from today as a lengthy trial begins on charges related to the White Island disaster. So what went wrong? And why are individuals being held responsible for the consequences of a volcanic eruption? We'll let you know what you need to know in the deep dive. But first, Sarah, some news from the RBA yesterday. Yeah, so the RBA yesterday announced that it will reduce the frequency of its meetings to discuss potential cash rate changes. From 2024, the RBA, which is the Reserve Bank of Australia board, will meet eight times per year, down from 11 that it currently does. Cutting down the meetings was recommended by an independent review of the RBA. An unseeded Ukrainian tennis player has made it to the Wimbledon semifinals after an upset win over the world number one player. Alina Svitolina defeated the Polish top-seeded Iga Swiatek in three sets to progress to the semis. The Matildas will play their official World Cup warm-up match in Melbourne tomorrow. They'll face France at Marvel Stadium ahead of the first World Cup match against Ireland next week, and I'm very excited to go watch a Matildas game later this month. And Zara, some exciting news for the panda species. A giant panda in a South Korean zoo has given birth to two baby twins. It's the first panda twin birth recorded in the country's history. And you find them I, so cute, no, don't no, you? No, I honestly, if you're listening to this, good morning. And go and look at what a baby panda, look, a newborn panda looks like. Because that is a sight that I did not know I needed <laughs> to see. <laughs> Forty-seven people were on Fakari White Island when it erupted in December 2019. Twenty-two people were killed, including 17 Australians, and 25 were seriously injured. Now, more than three years later, the island's owners and two other parties are appearing in court over the events of that day. Nina, I remember reading about this when it happened, obviously, and it came to define Jacinda Ardern's prime ministership quite significantly. But when it comes to the specifics, like it was clearly a disaster. There was a tragic loss of life. But can you just fill in the gaps for me as to what actually happened? Yeah, there was a lot about this I didn't know until this week mm. and I had never really looked at the specifics. I know there's a Netflix docker that's been really popular. Mm. but I think I'm going to go watch it tonight. Me too. I'm, apparently it's amazingly mm. done. Um, but I think even that doesn't necessarily go to the history of the island and how mm. it kind of came to be run the way that it was, which mm-hmm. is super relevant to this court case. 
So what you need to know is that the island's about 50 kilometers from New Zealand's North Island. You can actually see it from the mainland. Fukari is a small but active volcano that before December 2019 was a popular tourist destination. You could visit by boat or by helicopter, and there were hiking tours where you could go and walk right up to the edge of the crater to look inside the volcano. I was really curious about how they talked about this volcano to kind of advertise it as a tourism destination. And so I went and looked at how the New Zealand tourism site for the island was describing it a few years before the disaster. Interesting. And it read... White Island Fakari is the perfect example of an active volcano. It breathes, it roars, and it hisses from steaming vents releasing 800 degrees Celsius toxic gases. Apparently, the island was attracting 10,000 tourists every year before the 2019 disaster. I think it's really easy for you and I to sit here and read those tourism pictures and think how could they run that as a tourist destination. It sounds so dangerous. But then we were discussing the fact that both you and I have at Done some this. point, yeah, climbed a volcano in An active some volcano. place in the world. And like it is a tourist attraction and has been in many countries. But I also think what makes it really interesting in this case is how the island came to be a tourism destination. How did that happen? So back in the 19th century, it was actually used to mine sulfur, Mm -hmm. which is used for agriculture and fertilizer and is an ingredient in things like fireworks, for example. Okay. But operations stopped in 1914 when part of the island's crater wall collapsed and that killed 10 miners. So there was no more sulfur mining? Well, they they tried again to mine for sulfur a bit after that. So in the 1920s, it restarted. But they actually just weren't very successful at mining anything else after that point, And they stopped altogether in the 1930s. And that's when something really interesting happens. Because in 1936, Auckland stockbroker George Buttle decided to buy the island. So he passed it on to his son, who then in turn passed it on to his three sons, James, Peter and Andrew. They are now the ones who own it currently to this day. And they all own equal thirds of the island and are directors of the company that manages it, which is called Fakari Management LTD. I'm going to call it WML for short. So WML charged tour operators an annual licensing fee to visit Fakari, and every tourist who visited also paid them a fee. So WML were apparently earning a million dollars a year just from those fees. I mean, that's a lot of money, but of course it's no longer the case. That all changed when the volcano erupted in 2019, and we've already said it ended in the tragic deaths of many But Nina, the reason that we're talking about this today is now that criminal charges have been brought against those three brothers who you said own the island and several others. The trial commenced this week. What do we need to know about it? Yeah, I think in our newsroom, we were really interested in this idea of responsibility because when you hear about natural disasters, there aren't always you know, people to blame. No, I mean, I think that the furthest we've gotten in blaming people is around climate change, is that like inaction could cause more natural disasters, but not that somebody owns the land on which this has happened. Exactly. So the charges that have been brought in this case are by New Zealand's WorkSafe, which is their work health and safety regulator. And they're making the case that the island's management, so WML, didn't adequately assess the risk that the volcano posed to people. In her opening address, Work Safety's lawyer Kirsty McDonald said they knew there was a risk because there was another eruption as recently as 2016 on the island. According to court documents, that eruption was a similar magnitude to what occurred in the 2019 disaster, but it happened at night when there were no tour groups or anyone on mm. the island. One court document said... Had there been anyone on Fakari during the eruption of April 2016, 
it's likely they would have suffered a similar fate to those who were there during the eruption on the 9th of December 2019. WorkSafe's lawyer McDonald alleged this should have prompted the brothers to reconsider their approach to managing risk, but that instead, even after that 2016 eruption, the brothers were considering opening up the crater to overnight camping trips. Mm. When I've been learning about this story, the thing that strikes me is that these brothers obviously own it, but they wouldn't be the ones actually physically running the tours. Mm. And Presumably that's why there are other parties involved in this lawsuit. In the case, yeah. So they own the company that manages the island Mm -hmm. and then they enter agreements with tourism operators who work on the island and they're the ones who actually bring the tourists over. Okay. And so there are multiple tourism operators who are implicated in this case and for them the allegation is that they failed in their responsibility of adequately warning their customers as to the risks involved. There are some really confronting videos that were actually played in the first day of the court case of tourists who were videoing the and taking photos of the volcano as it started to erupt but didn't realize what was happening until tour guides started telling them to run. Um, it's terrifying. Just, yeah, makes for very confronting viewing, but also speaks to the fact that it didn't occur to people initially that there was that real risk involved. Mm. But in terms of the court case, New Zealand's Emergency Management Agency was also charged and the Research Institute and Volcano Monitor GNS Science. So they'll also be facing court. The trial set to run for 16 weeks and we'll also be hearing evidence from survivors. I think any time where you're watching a court case unfold that has a lot of kind of media attention on it, you just can't help but feel for the survivors who are there and have to talk about their experiences and then, you know, that gets broadcast to the rest of the world. It just must be really traumatic for these survivors to have to sit there in court, listen to all of this, see the vision play out. The other thing worth mentioning is that there's a few procedural milestones that survivors and the families of those who are lost have to go through. So there's also an ongoing coronial inquest into the disaster. And they're waiting on the results of that inquest for families to receive death certificates. It's been so many years. It's been it's been a long and time. And they're still waiting on death certificates. Well, they actually, before they can get those death certificates, not only do they have to resolve the coronial inquest, but this WorkSafe case before the courts will also need to be resolved. So it's going to be a while, I think, before there's a real sense of closure. Thank you for choosing to listen to The Daily Oz this morning. We are so thankful that you join us every weekday morning. And if you like what you're listening to, we would love you to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Let's us know what you like, what you don't like, what you want more of, and would just help us make something that you love even more. <laughs>